0: Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter two. We have gone through Thanksgiving, wasn't it a great time? I hope you had a wonderful time with your family and had a lot to be thankful for. And uh now we've moved past Thanksgiving and we're already starting to put up Christmas decorations and and preparing ourselves for christmas this morning we're going to look at the innkeeper and see what his story has to say to us as we start preparing for the christmas season uh i think i told you turn to luke chapter two a long time ago when uh, My kids were real young. I think my daughter was three or four and my son was about one. We got a phone call one summer uh, in the middle of the week and uh, asked us, hey, we're all, a bunch of the family are going to Destin, which is a, a beach in the panhandle of Florida. We're all going to Destin this weekend. Why don't you come up? And... We were living in Leesburg, Florida at the time, and, and I thought that sounded like a good idea, and I said, okay, and we put the kids in the car, and we took off for Destin. What I didn't understand and what I didn't realize was at that time of the year, it's pretty hard to find a place to stay in Destin, Florida, and we went to one motel, hotel, whatever you want to call them. We went one after another after another after another, after another, and there was never any room in any of the motels available. Finally, when we got about 20 miles outside of Destin, I came to this place, and I promise you, I, I don't know if the name was the Bates Motel or if it just reminded me of the Bates Motel, but, I, but it said vacancy on it, and uh, and we stopped because our other uh, uh, choice was to spend the night in the car, and with a one-year-old and a four-year-old, that's not a very good uh, scenario. And so I went ahead and I got the room. There was one room left in this Bates Motel, and I call it that because that's what it was like. It It was the most horrible place, you would ever want to stay. There was a gap under the door. When, when, when you were laying in bed, you could literally look outside under the door about that wide. And the bed, have you ever seen a bed that was probably about 40 years old in the spring? You get on it, and one side goes to the other, then the other side, and it was real spongy, springy up and down. And that's what the bed was like. And I promise you, during the night, I woke up, with something crawling across my face. And uh, and uh, so uh, it wasn't a very pleasant uh, situation. Uh, I kind of understood the story that we're going to read this morning because of that experience. We find in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and it says, And it came to pass... In those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. The census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem in the inn no room so jesus was born in a stable and laid in a manger i want you to think about this it was the eternal god the promised messiah this event had been anticipated for hundreds and even thousands of years there'd been all kinds of prophecies There had been predictions. There had been expectations. And one day God was going to send his son, the Messiah, the Christ, to earth in the flesh to save all of mankind. It had been prophesied. It had been studied. It had been anticipated. And when finally it happens, the most important event in all of history... In fact, it splits history into between BC and AD. It finally happens. It's time for Jesus, the Messiah, to be born. And there's no room for him in the end. I think if you think of this, From a business perspective, from a business point of view, that innkeeper may have lost the biggest bonanza of his life, and maybe the biggest in all of history. If Jesus had been born in that inn, I mean, think about it, can you imagine all of the advertising, all of the benefits that would have come from that. I mean, he could have got big neon signs like they have in Las Vegas. He could have put a big sign. This is the place where Jesus, the Messiah, was born. I mean, he could have gotten just about anything. Come stay in the room that the Messiah was born. I'll let you do it for... $200 a night, and I'll even throw in a breakfast buffet. I will do all of that kind of stuff. Come, this guy missed out on the greatest bonanza of his entire life, and the Savior would have been born there in all of the comfort of home. But when they came and knocked on the door, the innkeeper said, I'm sorry, but we don't have any room. And the Savior of the world, the Son of God, the promised Messiah, was born in a barn and was laid in a manger. Before we're too harsh on that innkeeper, though, I want you to understand that we do the same thing over and over, and over again. The title of my message today is, Is There Any Room? Do you have room for Jesus in your life? I know in 1963, the Supreme Court said that there was no room for Jesus in the classroom. I know it's not that way here in Bells, Texas, but it is in lots of places in the United States. There's no room for Jesus in the classroom. Matter of fact, just it seems like every year I read about a football coach from some high school that gets fired because he leads their team in a prayer before or after the game. So Jesus is not... Uh, welcomed in the classroom. He's not welcomed on the football field. He's not welcomed in the courtroom. I even hear now that you can't have a Bible sitting on your desk at the workplace. It's been taken out of the state government and the federal government. Used to be that the Ten Commandments would hang up in some of the courtrooms or Congress halls of Congress, and that has all been taken out a lot of places In cities and towns, you cannot put up a nativity scene anymore in front of the courthouse. But my focus today is not on our culture, not on our government. It's not on what's going on in the world around us today. I want to look today into our own hearts and ask two questions why don't we make room for Jesus? Why don't we, you and me, make room for Jesus in all kinds of opportunities? And number two, why should we make room? So only two points to my message, but there are 3 subpoints in each one of those. The first one, why don't we make room for Jesus And the first reason is is because we just don't pay attention to Jesus like we should. We're not paying attention, so we aren't even aware of the fact that Jesus shows up around us. Now, that morning, uh, that evening, uh, Joseph and Mary came knocking on the door of the inn, and they had no clue that the couple that were there looking for a room were about to give birth to the Son of God, to the promised Messiah. If he had known what was going to happen, I'm sure he may have tried to find room somewhere. And it's the same thing in our lives day by day. We have opportunities popping up around us where we might come into an encounter with the presence of the living God and we don't even recognize it. We're just not paying attention. Some people deal with things all the time, never realizing that God was in that situation. He was either there to bless you or to teach you some kind of life lesson. Some people even come to church on Sunday mornings never expecting to have a life-changing encounter with the living God. Even here at church, they come because it's Sunday morning and they come just to be coming because that's what they do every Sunday morning without any expectation of having a life-changing encounter with the living God. It's a common problem. It happened over and over again in the Bible. You remember those two men that were walking along the road to Emmaus. And the Bible says that Jesus came up and started walking with them and talking with them. But the Bible also says that they never recognized him as the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't realize to whom they were talking until after he was gone. And they said, wasn't it strange how our hearts warmed within us when we heard him speak, never understanding while he was there that it was Jesus that they were talking to. And dear friends, let me tell you, the Bible says that we entertain angels oftentimes unaware. I believe that God brings opportunities into our lives all of the time that we might have an encounter with him that he wants to uh, reveal himself to us or to teach us, some kind of life lesson because and we never catch it because we're not really paying attention to that check this out during the next few weeks there'll be times when you're in a grocery store or a department store and back in the background or maybe a restaurant and in the background They'll be playing some songs and they'll be saying words in that song like Hark the Herald Angels Sing or, or Joy to the World or, or some other kind of uh, Christmas hymn. And we just go right on through talking our conversation and never paying any attention to the fact that Jesus is all around us. As a matter of fact, did you know that the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is right here in this auditorium this morning? Right now, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is in this place. And you say, well, pastor, how do you know that? Because the Bible says, whenever two or more are gathered in his name, there he is right there in the midst. And we have the opportunity, there is an opportunity for us to come into an interaction with the present Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And so many times we come into this place and we leave and we never think about the fact that He was right there with us. Uh, remember the woman at the well? Remember her? Jesus asked her for a drink of water. And what was His reply? She said, well, her reply was, was, why would you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, to give you anything? Don't you know that Jews and Samaritans don't interact with one another? And Jesus' reply to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you to give me a drink, you would have asked of him to give me living water. Hey, hey, she was there. She was talking to Jesus. He asked her to give her a drink of water. And the implication here is that she had no idea who she was talking with. My point here this morning is that sometimes we come in contact with the presence of the living God and we never know it because we're not really paying attention. Our mind is on something else. And I'm asking you this morning... Why is it that sometimes we don't have room for Jesus Christ in our lives is because many times we're not paying enough attention to realize that his desire is to come and interact with us. The second reason that we don't have room for Jesus Christ is that uh, we fill our lives with other things. There's so many times, so many things that fill up our time and our lives and our heart that we don't have room for Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's what was happening. See, that motel, that hotel, that inn, whatever it was, it was there. It had rooms in it, but it just didn't have any empty rooms. They were all filled up. So many times there's no room for Jesus in our lives. Because we're so full of other stuff. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever discovered this profound truth that stuff just multiplies? Especially in the garage, right? I mean, I don't know how it does it. Sometime in the dark, the stuff in the garage just multiplies. I know that it happens. I've gone out there many times at nighttime and flicked on the light, and I've never seen it happen, but I know that it happens. Amen? Because there's stuff. I was out there the other day. We're starting to get down Christmas decorations and that kind of thing, and, and we, have a, we have some shelves in our garage, and the Christmas stuff was uh, all up on those shelves, and she was wanting me to get them down But before I could ever begin to get the Christmas stuff down, I had to move all of this other stuff that was in front of the shelves that was stopping me from getting... I don't know where it came from. I don't know what... I mean, some of it, I don't even know what it is. And it was just all that stuff there. And I had to move it so that we could begin to get the things down for Christmas decoration because she wants the house to be decorated just perfectly when y'all come over on the 19th. And uh, let me test the theory about this, this, uh, this uh, stuff multiplying in garages. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand talking about your garage, but how many of you even know anybody That has a garage. That they can't park their car in. Huh? Yeah. Just about. You know somebody. That has a garage. That they can't park their car in. Because it's so filled with other stuff. Right? Listen to me. Listen to me. Your life. Is like a garage. Now. I'm going to state the obvious here. Garages are built for cars. They're not built for st- stuff. If they were built for stuff, you would call it a a shed or a warehouse or something like that. A barn or something. You'd call it something else. But a garage is built to put cars in. Your life is like a garage. Let me tell you what your life, your heart was built for. It was built for God. It was built for God. But so many times, so many times, we get other things in our lives. We fill our lives and our time and our heart. We fill it with so many other things that there's just no room. And when Jesus comes knocking at the door, There is no room for him in the garage. Like I said, I'm not asking any of you to confess, but we need to understand that our heart is kind of like a garage, and we need to make room in that garage for Jesus. And to do that, we need to take some of the other stuff out. We talked last week about God having a plan for your life, and he has untold blessings uh, stored up for you, but now you don't have room to receive those blessings because you are so filled up with other stuff. Now, even God can't fill up something that's already full. Amen? I'm not talking about wicked things here I'm not talking about evil things a lot of times we fill our lives up with good things I mean you can come to church six days a week and you can, you can fill your life you can, you can be a part of every single ministry uh, that we have at the church and you can become so busy working for God that you don't have enough time left for God to work in you. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? What I, what, what I, the point I'm trying to make is, is that we need, the Bible teaches us that we need to be still and know that He is God. Do you remember the parable of the sower? And the seed that was sown among thorns? And uh You find it in Mark chapter 4 and verse 19. And this is what Jesus uh, is explaining what that seed thrown among thorns is. And he says, And the cares of this world, like those thorns, and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things entering in choke out the word, the word of God, and it becomes unfruitful. So you understand what I'm trying to say. We allow these other things to creep into our lives wanting to get this done and wanting to get that done and to have this for our children and to have this over here for our, our family and we want to do this over here for ourselves and, and we allow all of those things to gather in and choke out the fruitfulness that God has in store for you through his word you can do a lot of good things and still not have room for god in your life let me tell you what i've discovered listen to this you might want to write it down if god if satan if satan can't make you bad if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. He'll make you busy. So you just don't have time for God. It wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't that there wasn't an end. The problem wasn't that there weren't any rooms in that inn the problem is is that all the rooms were filled up and when jesus came i'm sorry there's no room in the inn the third reason the third reason that we don't make room for god for jesus is that we don't really feel like we need to. We don't think we need to. We have a sense of self-sufficiency. You look at your life and you think to yourself, everything's going pretty well. I'm living a pretty good life. I don't need to make a whole lot of changes in my life. I'm living the good life. Everything is going pretty good. Have you ever said that to yourself? I remember one morning when I was... Uh, much yo- much younger, and I was—we had just come to to Dallas, and I was pastoring a church in Dallas. And uh, uh, one of my church members gave me a a uh, a membership. Do you ever have any of you ever heard of the Cooper Clinic in in Dallas? It's a really kind of an exclusive type thing. They gave me a membership to the Cooper Clinic, and I was about six o'clock in the morning, and I was driving down the road in my brand new automobile and and I was on my way to the Cooper clinic and and I remember saying to myself Russell, you're doing okay you're doing pretty good and uh, have you ever done that have you ever have have you ever just looked at all the things all the blessings that you have and said man you know that's a, I'm doing pretty good right now folks listen to me you can be doing as well as you ever thought you could be but that doesn't mean that you're doing as well as you can be. Amen? It doesn't mean... That I can remember when I was a kid. Now, when I was very young, when I was like in elementary school, my parents were very poor. I think I told you about this a week ago or so. My parents were, were very poor. And uh, when, we, when the summer between the 6th and 7th grade, my parents moved from Miami to Gainesville, Florida, and my dad opened up a business in Gainesville, and things just took off. And we went from living on welfare to my dad making a giant salary, doing really well, making all kinds of money. And I can remember, I can remember back in Miami, every once in a while, my mother would treat us for a special dinner. And she would buy Chef Boyardee ravioli. I thought that was the best stuff in the whole wide world. I mean, I i, I mean, I was fourth, fifth grade. I, I just thought Chef Boyardee ravioli was so good. I was so, on the days that we had Chef Boyardee, man, I was on top of the world. But once we moved to Gainesville... And my dad started making me work for him and, and he started making lots of money. One night we went out to celebrate and there was this restaurant in Gainesville called Art's Steakhouse. And we went to Art's Steakhouse. I had never been to a steakhouse before. We went to Art's Steakhouse. And my dad said, order anything you want. I was a seventh grade boy. And I I said, I want that 16-ounce ribeye with a baked potato and salad. And man, we got that. And that was the best tasting steak I've ever eaten in my entire life. It was so good. Let me tell you something. After eating at Arch Steakhouse, that 16-ounce ribeye, Chef Boyardee didn't seem so good to me anymore. You understand what I'm saying? Folks, listen to me. You may think that everything is great right now, but I'm telling you, if you make room for Jesus in your life, it can be so much better than what it is. Amen? It can be so much better than... What it is. I loved, as a matter of fact, sometimes I still eat Chef Boerardee, but not when I have an opportunity to eat a big ribeye steak. Now, let's go back to the innkeeper. He's thinking, why do I need to make more room for this family? I, I, I don't need more guests. All my rooms are full. I've made a lot of money. It couldn't get any... Better than this, I'll just stick with what I'm doing. But oh, how much better would it have been if he would have said, yes, let's make room for this young lady and the baby that he she's about to give birth to. How much better would it have been for that innkeeper if he would have made room for Jesus Christ. So why do we, always, do we not always make room for Jesus? Number one, we are not paying attention. Number two, we allow other things to crowd our lives so that we don't have room. And number three, we just don't think we need to. We think everything's going fine and dandy. Hmm. Second point, why should I make room for Jesus? I'll give you two answers to that so I can get to know God and so that I can receive his promise in my life. So I can get to know God. Folks, listen to me. Do you understand this, that God is the one that created you. Amen? God is the one. And you say, oh, well, I thought, I, thought, I thought we were wanting to get to know Jesus better. Well, the Bible teaches that Jesus is God. Amen? That he was God in the flesh. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of John chapter 1, let me just read these 14 verses to you. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word... Was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, through the Word, through Jesus, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness to the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. John the Baptist came to be a witness for Jesus who was coming. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, talking about Jesus, and the world did not know him. Remember, we talked about how he didn't, re, sometimes we just don't recognize that it was Jesus. The world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But listen to this, as many as did receive him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but was born of God. And then verse 14 talking about that word that was with God and was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember what John says in 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Talking about talking about Jesus. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. If you want to know anything or anyone, you need to know Jesus. Amen? You need to know Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of man. The reason we want to make room for Jesus is because we need to get to know him and through him to know uh, our purpose in life. And that's answer number two, to receive his promise. Do you know that God has a plan for your life? You were created for a purpose. I know, I know. We live in a frenetic and a chaotic world, but God will give you peace in the midst of the storm. He will clear your head and help you to see your purpose. He will give you peace in the storm. And if you pay attention, if you clean out your garages and make room for him, that clean out your garages, that was, you know what I'm talking about. He will give you power to fulfill your purpose. You have a purpose in this world. You have a purpose in this world. God didn't create you and put you out here just so you can take up space. God has a purpose for your life. And and unless you clean out those garages, unless you make room for him in your life, you will never understand what that purpose is and you will never receive the blessings that he has for you for fulfilling that purpose. I had said I had two points, but let me give you one more point. How can I make room for Jesus? if me making room for Jesus is the most important thing in my life, how do I do that? Let me give you one more verse of Scripture. It's found in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, and verse 20. You know this verse. He says, Behold, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him or have fellowship with him and him with me. Listen, listen. Jesus said, Behold. Hey, hey, are you paying attention? Do you hear the knocking? Jesus said, Behold. I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear me and open that door, you want to know how you make room for Jesus? Some of you. There may be, I don't know all of you, but there may be some of you who came to church this morning without any idea that you were going to have a life changing encounter with the living God. You may not have even, that may have never crossed your mind. Oh, you're just coming to church because it's Sunday morning. Never thinking that there might be an encounter, a life-changing encounter for Christ with you today. He's knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man or woman or young person, if anybody hears and opens the door, I've shared with you before about that picture. It's the picture of the light of the world. That's the title of it. It's called the light of the world, and it hangs in St. Paul's Cathedral, In London, England, you've seen copies of it. It's a picture of Jesus standing at the door of a little cottage holding a lantern and knocking on the door. When that picture was first revealed, people gasped. Oh no. Oh no. He made a mistake. He made a mistake. There's no door handle on the door. He left out the door handle and he said no no I didn't make a mistake because you understand the door handles on the inside he says if you hear my voice and you open the door I will come in and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also all right oh what a what a wonderful Wonderful promise that is ours. you want to make room for Jesus in your life? Do you want to I mean, I mean let, let's just be honest. let's be honest with ourselves. We've got to clean some room out first. I don't know what it's cluttered with. It may be remember what I said it may be good work. It may be doing all kinds of great things, but you just don't leave any time for God to do something in you. This is the time you open your door and allow Him to come in. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you, God, for this season of the year that we're entering into when we emphasize and we celebrate the birth of our Savior. I pray, God, that you speak to the hearts of people today. Everyone here, I pray, God, that you speak to the hearts and you help them shine that light into their life, Father. Help them to see if uh, they need to make room, if there's any room at all for you in their life. Oh, God, I just ask you, I ask you, Father, to help them to make that decision today that they're going to, that there won't be a, like the innkeeper of old, but they would say, Come in, come in, we've got room for you. And I just ask you, Lord, to let that be the testimony of every person here today. Let this Christmas season not go by just another time of the year where we celebrate and buy gifts for people but that it would be a special time when we make room in our hearts for you, Lord. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.